Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com. We're ramping up for the 2020, fingers crossed, NFL season, dynasty season. We're getting some moving pieces here. We're going to see some of the leeway of the other sports, again, fingers crossed. And things are moving in a, uh, a positive direction. Uh, in in terms of momentum here. And for Dynasty, we're making our way through our four-part series here, biding our time. This is usually a dead-ish part of the calendar anyway. Uh, You get rookie draft season complete. Now you get June, July, and you're just, you're, you're waiting. You're itching. You can't wait for actual NFL and Dynasty activities. We've only had a couple of news items, but here we are. We're finishing up. You can listen to the last three shows, quarterback and uh, running back wide receiver today. This week, we're talking tight ends. We're going to talk about the landscape overall, some of the divides between maybe the marketplace and uh, our valuations. So uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting position and one that you know we're not going to spend really any time, but the Scott Fishbowl is going on right now on the redraft side. Uh, it's a annual spectacle of hundreds, if not thousands of people involved in the process. And uh, that's another format where, again, tight end is a position you got to take a stand just like the others. There's a, an annual twist here or two for, uh, for the format itself, Katie. But, uh, but quickly, you know, any, anything kind of stand out of the, the Scott Fishbowl, yours in particular, or just uh, the format and your approach this year? No, I just thought it was funny. I don't know if you saw on Twitter the one guy that at the 102 took Matt Barkley instead of Saquon Barkley by accident. And then it got tweeted all and retweeted. And then Matt Barkley started talking about it. And then Saquon Barkley jumped in the (laughs) conversation. So it was kind of cool that, you know, the biggest fantasy football tournament of all in the whole world. And they even, the Buffalo Bills uh, newsletter even said, hey, this is what happened. This is the biggest fantasy football competition in the world. And the guy took Matt Barkley at the 102. And it is super flex. So maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe uh, Matt can help make the guy win after all or something. But it was funny. So it's been, uh, you know, shouted out and chatted about and funny to see Probably the, the highest he's ever gone in a draft yeah oh i'm, I'm sure. trying to think back to maybe i'm trying to think back to his uh usc days right i'm trying yeah. to think if he was even a viable like could someone in the bluest of moons have taken him in the top two of any sort of play out college football production debbie highly depleted like is there any way possibly in debbie because he was a fairly he was good a five-star name. guy yeah I he was a say. good name back then uh yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he but he might have been taken that early in a Debbie. I would love to see a screenshot from someone from, yeah, <laughs> from, from five, years. eight years ago, whatever <laughs> it was. And they're like, I took him that high and it's good. Good times are back again. Yeah. Um, 
do want to mention uh, all the good things over at UTH. We've got the trade calculator. We've got uh, dynasty rankings, metrics, articles, um, everything you need, money-back guarantee. So give it a try. 12 months. So this is building towards 2020, but 2021 as well. And you want to be a part of Katie, Tim, Jordan, and myself talking all the good stuff during rookie draft season, startup season, where things are a change. And I talked about how the last four, six, eight weeks, things haven't really changed too much. Cam Newton, maybe a smattering of a couple other things. But uh, but really, that first four or five months of the calendar year is where we make our bones and, and we set you up for your best rookie draft season ever, uh, prepping and, again, building the back end of your roster. So, again, let's, let's kick off. We're talking about tight ends. And, Katie, the top of the board, it feels like more so than in recent years, there's a pretty firm consensus. We had, we've, over the last two, three years, we've been blessed with guys like George Kittle. We've added now Mark Andrews with a big season last year. Travis Kelsey locked in with now, what, half billionaire <laughs> coming up, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but Kelsey ends up being 30 uh, this offseason. And you've got, uh, again, Zach Ertz and others that are kind of looking at outside of those first three, four guys. Um, what's your kind of assessment in the top zone there? Is it one where you say one tight end, two tight end? Is this an environment where you're looking for that cornerstone high-end guy, or do you still think that the value is is elsewhere than diving in really early of a team build? Well, if you're yeah in a startup, if it's start one tight end, I'm going to wait and try to hit on some of those later round gems. And year one is the least significant I can trade for tight end when I'm ready to shine or maybe one of the guys that I've got stashed ends up hitting uh, you know there's always rookie drafts as well it's a big learning curve in the NFL for tight end so it takes a while and going the rookie route isn't necessarily the best way to do it I'm I'm more of a value tight end kind of person like with my quarterbacks I don't mind them to have some age I don't mind them to have some seasoning and I would prefer that in fact so give me the middle-aged older guys that people are overlooking and I'll take them post round 10 in a startup yeah and and I always look at it that you know if you are light at the position in a start one it's not that big of a deal First of all, the typical scoring, if you go 1.5 PPR, I always remind folks, they, they expect me to be adjusting when I'm making UTH rookie UTH uh, startup draft boards for folks. Like They kind of expect, I think, a bigger needle move with 1.5 PPR or even 1.75. I will say 2 PPR moves the needle. I mean, no one really goes much above that unless you're getting point per target and some other things going on or elevated yardage. Uh, but really, and this is... A, a good place macro to start is that you know two tight end is really the differentiator for formats that's really the thing that puts the premium on the position and one tight end to me it's not quite as extreme as a, a one quarterback league but I, I i view it as relatively in in 2020 dynasty format wise kind of archaic you know just a one tight end format especially when you're getting 25 28 30 man rosters there's really not much juice at the position. And you just kind of outlined in a couple bullet points how easy it is to just sort of go into a startup draft or even in the existing league and say, I don't really have to feel a ton of pressure 
because outside of three or four teams, and maybe one of them doubled up on who they have, but not many people are going to overtly boat race you on a weekly basis uh, because tight ends are a lot about touchdowns. The volume isn't there for most of them, even some of the tight end ones. So there's not a lot of pressure to say, oh, well, my starter, you know, you might be going into this year. I got Eric Ebron and, you know, Rob Gronkowski and you feel fine. Let's go into the season and see how it goes. Not, oh, man, I got to chase the position and trade for something. Exactly. And then even in 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 a start two, that's when I start to get serious about gaining the advantage. I want to have as many of the better and all the way through tight ends I want to have a couple kind of layer uh, maybe I've got a couple studs and then somewhere in the middle and then I've got a couple that are up and comers or uh, somebody I want to be the most dominant at that position because that's the one it's hard to chase if you're if you don't get the tight ends in the startup in a start too man it, it takes a lot of work to get that roster back to where you're not concerned with injuries or bye weeks and you feel like you even have some trade capital uh, that somebody else may have to come knocking on your door for. Yeah. And I have some firsthand experience. I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, and, and what happened is I got in the two tight end first two tight end league. It was three, four, five years ago or something. And I, it was a Debbie component, but not overly deep. I would call it moderate, uh, probably shallow for Katie standards. And it was one where I just couldn't find the value. And I think the biggest hurdle for people in a two tight end startup is getting over the fact that you're used to getting a better deal on certain names just because they're going to go so much earlier in terms of round. So now you're going to see them and maybe you view them as inferior players compared to other positions, but you're going to see them going shoulder to shoulder with some bigger names at other positions. And the problem is I just sat there and, and Chad learning his lesson. I just said no over and over again. I ended up not taking a tight end until like you know, round 20 something. I just could not find the value I wanted. And it was horrific because it took me three to four years legitimately to fix the position because in Devi, all of a sudden, some of those pipeline players are gone. So you have to start drafting Devi or incoming rookies. And we're talking meaningful first round, second round of your annual draft to fix the position. Otherwise, you have to go into the marketplace and pay up, pay a big time player at another position to get a quality, steady uh, veteran with upside that isn't one or two years maybe from a cliff or, or retirement or a, a big fall off. And so that is the big part that I think people, you have to get over that hurdle. And I always tell almost overcompensate by telling folks, just be overly aggressive in the startup draft at a position of premium and tight end in two in a start two format qualifies. So just, you know, you're going out there, get two guys in the first five, six, seven rounds, and that's going to feel very strange to you coming from one tight end land, unless you're always getting a Kelsey or someone in the first three, four rounds. And that, but again, you won't regret it because now like there, there's one league. I remember the, oh, I was aggressive in the startup, but then the very first off season of, of the draft, people were letting slide tight ends like Hayden Hurst and Dallas Goddard, whatever. The, I think that was a class, what, two years ago, something like that. And so I ended up getting two or three guys from that class, including, I think it was Mark Andrews as well. I didn't regret it because now I'm four or five deep at a position. And even with an injury, I control the faucet of the dynasty marketplace because no one else has, you know, three, four strong options and is willing to give one up. So that's always 
um, a big key when you're in a premium format. We're talking about tight end, but it could be another position of saying you want to be overly deep because it can be tough to fix. And if you fall short, the waiver wire in those type of formats is going to be very tough to address it either. It's like when old Mother Hubbard went to her cupboard to get the old <laughs> dog a bone. Yeah. Um, so who do you? So I put together this list of maybe who is going to be a challenger to the elite guys, the current elite guys. We've got Evan Ingram, guys like Noah Fant, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and I wrote down Mark Andrews had a breakout season, but will he get all the way there? You know, and and what I mean by challenge, I mean can one of these guys pop off and be the number one tight end, you know, or, or number two, wherever that big divide is between the have and have nots from the elite impact guys, Katie, do you have a, a strong play of those guys? Or maybe there's another one I didn't mention of the potential challengers that you think this year, maybe next year could get all the way home and unseat, you know, a, a Kelsey or a Kittle. Well, it, it, there's a lot that is dependent, but, I'm going to say possibly Hayden Hurst. He's got a, a wicked shot down in Atlanta with Austin Hooper gone. And uh, you've got Todd Gurley, who's going to be uh, just, I think, a beast in that offense. I think Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh, depending on what happens, it, you know, he, I don't think Ben is done, but Ben loves targeting that tight end. And with Juju uh, and James Conner, I think that, that's a decent enough offense where he could potentially with touchdowns. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with OJ Howard, with Rob Gronkowski in the mix. I don't think OJ is going to take that leap. He's already in the doghouse. Uh, they haven't utilized him without having Rob come to town. Uh, but that would be probably, probably it. As Hunter Henry, maybe if he stays healthy, might be able to get up in that top three. Um, yeah, Hunter Henry, a couple top ten seasons um, already under his belt. Pa- part of it's been durability. Yes. You know, that I-, I wonder about the quarterback situation there, and we'll see how targets are distributed because they have a lot of talent in the passing game, and including Austin Eckler, to say, man, is Hunter Henry really going to get 110, 120-plus targets? And it's it, – you're, you're really trying to shoot the needle at tight end if you don't get the targets, like at least the requisite number, because then you need 10, 12 touchdowns, you know, and, and you really have to have that massive scoring season. I would highlight Evan Ingram as a guy that I still think is underrated because he had three, he has three straight seasons on a per game basis in the top seven. It really has been about durability. And Daniel Jones, to me, is more of a question mark than many out there. You know, I think that that he is he is unproven even though you look at stat lines and he, he, he looked pretty good last year. There was a lot to, left to be desired. Um, so that's going to be one question. But the good news is lack of a, of, of a strong wide receiver one there with the Giants. So Evan Ingram could actually be that proxy. Big play guy, basically a wide receiver out there. And typically, um, I, th- I think it's important for folks, and we, we mentioned it in passing, but the tight ends are slow to develop. And what does that mean? It means, unlike running back and even wide receiver to some degree, Counting on that big year, that big peak season out of a tight end at 23, 24 years old is still it's pretty pretty historically rare. Yeah. And so you get the guys that are 25, 26, 27. That's really what you're looking for. And Ingram right now is entering age 26, right in that big meaty spot of enough experience. If And I would say the, the moniker like Leonard Fournette and others, if he stays healthy, what does that mean? 
And to me, that would mean a top three, four option with, with upside from there. And same thing applies with Hunter Henry and a few of these other guys of saying, man, if they were healthy for 15, 16 games, there's a lot of upside because I think, it, I mean, you mentioned a couple that, you know, might be a little more dark horse bets to get in there, but there really isn't, in my opinion, 10, 15 guys that you could legitimately see in the top three or four. Like it's not that, you know, it, let's rewind to Witten and Gates and all these guys that, they typically lock down the top of the position. So the guys that can play, the guys that differentiate themselves, they typically do so with maybe a, an off season here or there for a span and a big chunk of their career. Yep. Um, let's see. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down Hayden Hurst. You already kind of mentioned him as having. You might be even more bullish on what the potential upside is there than I am because you know they've got basically four strong guys in that offense: Gurley, Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst. And Hurst hasn't done a whole lot. He, again, injuries, right? Yeah. I mean, he's another one that if the if the guy can stay healthy, he's been he got passed by Mark Andrews. Not that Mark Andrews wasn't going to maybe do it anyway, but part of that I still remember the rookie season injury by Hayden Hurst. And he really just d- didn't even get off the mat, and all of a sudden it's Andrews' job, and we know the story from there. And he got traded. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Hayden Hurst is one of the guys that he's rising in redraft. I see in terms of people thinking he's a top twelve option, but there's still mid tight end one upside from there yes um let me ask you about dallas goddard uh so he's actually the number two for his team this strikes me as like martellus bennett going back to to dallas days of sitting there behind a big time tight end in in zach Ertz in this instance but yet he's still a top 12 top 14 guy last year do you think that maybe he takes a step back with wide receiver, more health, more added competition for targets? Or do you think he is someone you'd be comfortable as your starter? Oh, I wouldn't be comfortable with him as my starter unless Ertz was hurt. Um, okay. If if this whole thing with Deshaun Jackson blows up and he ends up getting cut, then that may help his chances of becoming a viable starter or flex guy um but i wouldn't feel comfortable okay is goddard a type that you say man if he's my tight end three or four in a uh in a two tight end league you know that is worth holding do you because it seems like if you don't feel comfortable starting him right now that you're still gonna have to wait you know outside of that injury you're gonna have to wait martellus bennett style for a future opportunity um, that we'll see if they move on from Zach Ertz, but that's a big contract, and he's an all-time performer. I think that Dallas Goddard is talented enough. You, you got to hold on to him. He's going to get a shot okay. sometime, whether yeah. it's with with Philly or a different team. He'll get a shot. Um, I wrote, also wrote down a cluster of high variance guys. So this may be you have more comfort in a one tight end format where you say, hey, I've got two or three and one of them is from this bucket, but I wouldn't want to rely solely. Like, I don't like my odds of any singular one of them. Uh, but but just what's your overall collective thoughts if you have a favorite here between Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, John U. Smith, Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon, Jay Sternberger, and Blake Jarwin? Did anyone stand out of saying, you know what? I like them way better than the rest of emerging this year. I think Jonu Smith and Jay Sternberger uh, were the two names that just popped. Chris Herndon's got to stay healthy. There's opportunity there. And out of trouble. Right, and out of trouble. Um, Good luck with that. But, yeah, of those names. Okay. and, And, yeah, I mean, the rest of them are still very, very iffy. So what do you think about about Blake Jarwin 
do you think that there is just too much wide receiver talent and Zeke there that there's just the pie is going to be split so thin that even he's just not going to see enough. I would not plain and simple. unless it's best ball. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hang on okay. to Jarwin. That's just a okay. tough. And Sternberger is going to be interesting because it pretty much has been cleared out for him. And they really don't – we'll see TBD on their wide receiver two, wide receiver three situations there. Are they going to run the ball more? But all of that. But but it looks like Sternberger is going to get a clear opportunity, yet he really has done nothing with an almost redshirt rookie season last year. Yeah. So that 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 is a – but he's cheaper. I would imagine he is cheaper than almost everyone on that list. Oh, I think so. so. Yeah, news. he's – That's the good news, yeah. yeah. Katie gives a stamp of approval, and yet it, the value is there. Um so sell me on Johnu Smith a little bit because I'm more on the neutral to more skeptical band. Yeah, I mean, they're all all the guys that you named. You yeah. asked me to pick from that yeah, pick set them. of guys, yeah. and he's got opportunity. The offense doesn't suck. I think they're going to be a playoff team again. And, you know, I, I don't know that A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are going to be so ball hog that they that, – uh, they don't use Johnu Smith. Um, yep, and so. he's got some big playability. We've seen that in uh, in flashes in the past. He is 25 for this year, which is kind of that prime, you know, 25, 26, 27 window to have your best season. Whatever I'm going to use air quotes. Whatever yeah. best season is for a particular player, um, that's when you got a real shot. I do wonder about. You know, is Tennessee going to be able to play their type of ball as much as they were last year? You know, is the volume of the passing game? So one argument for John New Smith would be, you know what? They're probably going to have to throw the ball a little more. You know, that they're probably not going to be able to control quite as much as, as they were of keeping the, keeping the tempo down, keeping the volume down, and controlling the game, keeping it low scoring, and, and staying positive game script. Um, so they might have to open it up a little more. Whether that's good or bad news for Tannehill, we will see. Um, and then I wrote down the wild cards as another category. Okay. We've got David Joku, and then we've got the Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett uh, situation with the Rams. Um, Joku has been, you know, declared a. Hey, my, I think it was his agent, right? I'd like it. He should, he should get a trade. It kind of makes sense because they have backed the Brinks truck up for, uh, for Austin Hooper. And you say, well, where does Joku fit with that? You can say you're going to run too tight end all day, but you got a first rounder that someone w- like Hayden Hurst will is willing to pay, you know, and get that reclamation project label and not for a first round pick. So it makes a lot of sense that he would be on the move, but I, I mean. The team that's, wants that's to hold, him on, hold on. Right. Right. I mean, so is he one that does it depend on the format, on your patience level with him? If it was a, again, like 25 man roster, one tight end, are you more likely to say, I just don't have the room for someone like Joku if he's my third tight end, let's say? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, all the pedigree in the world doesn't matter if you don't see the field in a reliable manner to be a, a fantasy tight end. And I don't think he's going to get any reliable right. touches. So He's a handcuff, right? He is more of a handcuff. High, yeah. high-end handcuff because something's going to have to give. And then you still got two good I, – I, I wonder what the upside for Austin Hooper is with those those tight ends, those, those running backs. And then you've got the Baker Mayfield needs to take a step forward and not a step back. So there's a lot of question marks there for even whoever the starting tight end is of saying, can they get to top 12? So, yeah, for Joku, but I think, you know, talent-wise, you got to hold him in a two-tight end league. You can't sell him for 
60, 70 cents on the dollar from what he was even a year ago, just because the upside is so great. And you saw with Hayden Hurst, you know, talent or pedigree will find a way, you know, typically same thing at quarterback, right? I mean, one team doesn't have three great, three great quarterbacks. They end up being dispersed around the NFL sooner rather than later. So I think with Joku in a two tight end, uh, you, you, the floor is so high for what, sorry, so low for what a starter is in your league that 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 means you don't give up at this low point. He's twenty four years old. I mean, he's yeah. worth hanging on to. Right. Um, in a one and a half PPR, I I got him for a fifth round pick. I mean, it was just stealing. The guy was going to probably end up dropping him. I I don't care. I'm probably going to drop the fifth round pick anyway. And it, but the whole point is he's he's worth stashing in some formats yep and now this is probably going to be the tier that 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 katie and i are most excited about this year because (laughs) i wrote the unsexy vets and if you want to say they're bridge players so be it uh but these are guys that are going to be overlooked in my opinion i think there's a lot of bang for your buck factor especially in a one tight end now what i always say is it's July, so don't be freaking out about your starting lineup. Long way to go. But the three guys I wrote down are Jared Cook, Jack Doyle, and a bigger long shot is uh, Greg Olson, uh, of someone who can potentially be the week one starter with some some injuries there in Seattle that who knows their status going into week one. But just, almost like uh, Adrian Peterson and other guys, I mean, you don't expect Greg Olson to be brought in and do nothing. So... That is a, we don't know, we might need a starter, and we think you can start because you typically don't fade out. Same thing with, well, anyway, tangent, but Jason Witten, I think, could be viewed a similar way of, is he going to hold a clipboard and, you know, and and massage (laughs) Darren Waller's calves with the Raiders? Like, I kind of question why you would, you know, if you're not going to use an older vet that's one of the all-time performers, that, uh, you know, why that, but but those three specifically, I know know your team, Jared Cook, as well. What do you think about Doyle and, and Olsen as well? I love all three. Don't make me pick. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to. No, you don't have to pick. Okay. You, can, you can just highlight one to talk about if you want. No, I Jack Doyle rules. I, I've always liked him. <laughs> I love it. He's he's uh, one of those under the radar kind of guys that's always been cheap, even uh, even when he was hot, even when I think it was Ebron was hurt and he was the starter and was doing quite well, and he was still being drastically undervalued. Yeah, I, I remember not liking him. He had that big year. You know, it was a lot of volume. I remember it was like nine, ten yards a catch. He's not someone that's like separating and right. you know a big play seam stretcher, but really sturdy hands. And now Philip Rivers, I mean, and, and some wide receiver question marks. So uh, he's someone that can absolutely get peppered. And it was a you know tight end. You can really play that that annual game. You know who had the down year. And Jack Doyle was a top five, top 10 producer for two years. And then last year, you know, hurt a little bit, tied in 21 in points per game. And and now it's time for a reset, but he sags way down because he's older, unsexy, you know, not a big name, but yet he can get it done. And he's he's a fraction of Jared Cook, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, yeah. Of all the names, I would think that Greg Olson would be the cheapest, but Jack Doyle is right there, too. Oh, yeah. Too. Ol- Olsen is available in the fourth, fifth round of your of your rookie draft. You know, if you, if you have veterans in there and you've got a you know a hole, you know I think that's a really good use of your pick. Oh yeah. Because instead of a guy that you're probably gonna end up cutting, get the clarity on Greg Olson. Hey, if Will Disley's out to start the year, maybe he goes on pop. He had another significant injury. Greg Olson, week one starter, you're keeping him. You know, and maybe you cut him. 
maybe you, you know, if everybody is, you know, you've got uh, Jacob Hollister as well as Disley. If everyone's good to go and it looks like, you know, Olsen's not going to be the starter, maybe you cut bait. But I bet you keep him. And I bet, I bet he gets the most snaps week one. Maybe even five, six, seven targets. So I, I just think there's plenty of upside there um, if, if uh, Olsen himself is healthy. Um, so, yeah, um, kind of in a, in a summary fashion, what's your big overarching kind of thought about tight end? If, it's, if you're light at the position, do you have a go-to, hey, these are the types of trades I might make now? Or are you just, hey, it's such a, such a start one type position in a lot of formats, you say, I would just wait. If you got just one guy, wait into August, wait into early September before you assume what you have isn't good and what you're acquiring is needed. Yeah, uh, you're talking to the woman who, in a start one quarterback league, started Andy Dalton for the first half of the year last year with no backup quarterbacks on my bench. I picked up Ryan Fitzmagic off the waiver wire when Andy Dalton got benched, uh, and then I ended up using him and riding him to the playoffs and won the championship with Ryan Fitzpatrick off the waiver wire in a start one league. So I'm, I remember you talking about that last year. I'm of, you were all about team Fitzpatrick. And I'm all of the same mind when it comes to tight ends. It doesn't matter in a start one. Uh, right now, unless you're getting a bridge player for off the waiver wire or cheap, cheap, like fourth, fifth round pick, uh, even, eh, this year's draft, there's so much talent still in the third round. I, I'd want to, you know, not really part with that. Maybe wait till the draft uh, is over and dies down a little bit and then take a player that's starting to get hyped uh, that you just, whatever. The whole point is older quarter, I mean, older tight ends are completely fine and should not be overlooked. They are value and people, when it comes to dynasty, they they put the young blinders on. At quarterback and tight end, the older, mature guys are the value, and that's where you should go. And build around those young running backs and wide receivers and then add in some bridge players. That's, how, that's the architecture for building that strong foundation. But quarterback and tight end, don't be an ageist. Yeah, uh, you know, because the steady guys and a couple guys, as you were talking, that I thought of with, you know, if you mentioned waiver wire and and I always say, you know, filling a need or addressing a light position, that should be your your 1.0 strategy because it's easily accessible. It doesn't require other owners. You just go out there, you put and, and if they're out there already, you had your rookie draft a couple months ago and and now, you know, there's periodic waiver runs. If you're listening to this show and they're still out there, people have had cracks already. And, and they've passed for a dollar bid. They've passed, so that mean that they view it as not worth the roster spot. And a couple situations I would highlight. One of them would be in Cincinnati. Um, you know, the starter is maybe and probably in a start one on your waiver wire. Is it C.J. Uzama, Drew Sample? Uzama's the veteran, and again, unsexy one, but one that can get you through a little bit. You know, they can get you something cons- relatively consistent in terms of usage to start the season and snaps. Uh, and again, even if you're wrong and it's Drew Sample, hey, you can pivot and that's going to be on the waiver wire to start the year. The other one that I thought about, well, a guy actually, I'll add a third guy, Ryan Griffin, who 
we'll see because he was viable last year in moments. He's got some athleticism to him in the, with the Jets. If Chris Herndon, for some reason, and there's multiple avenues for that not to work out, Ryan Griffin could be the starter there with the Jets. And then the other option that I would mention, and this is this is going to hurt your soul, Katie. It hurts mine a little every time I say it. But Mr. And I have not given up hope yet. Mr. Tyler Eifert. They're in Jacksonville, probably the starter to begin the year. And someone that could be a top, you know, 20, 24 option and and at least post some numbers for you because the snaps could be there on a team that has some question marks at wide receiver. So so that's another name to keep in mind because you're looking for good enough snaps, a guy that's not blocking first. I, I think that's important from the tight end. And someone that can steal a touchdown every now and again. So start cheap. Those guys, some faction of those will be available in your start one. At least one of those guys is what I would remind you. So start there if you want to add a body and then see how it goes through August. Are you going to get someone who's out for week one and all of a sudden they're back up? This could be the year of years with COVID-19 that all of a sudden streaming uh, a tight end off the waiver wire or any position could be more viable than ever before. And tight end is one of those more, hey, the starter's out, almost like a quarterback. Starter's out, boom, back up, guaranteed X number of snaps. And I've got one that you didn't even mention that is, I believe, this year's Rodney Dangerfield of all tight ends. People are overlooking him in drafts, on waiver wires, in dispersal drafts. They'll let him just sit there and and go back to the waiver wire. They don't even want to put him on their roster. (laughs) And it's Jeremy Sprinkle in Washington. Yes, another situation. Right. I mean, they, they just got Logan Thomas. Please. Guys are picking him up off the waiver <laughs> wire like there's no tomorrow. Go get yourself some Jeremy Sprinkle. You know what college he played for, right? He was a Razorback. Big Suey. Woo big. And uh, but anyway, uh, he's decent. He he wasn't. He played on the same team with Hunter Henry. I mean, he he wasn't a horrible tight end. He's a kind of a dummy, but uh, he's got some skills. And now he's in year four, year five. Something like that, and he's no more uh, Reed. I don't. He, I don't think he has to worry about Logan Thomas. Yep, and that's that's another good point. That th- so there's three, four teams out there around the NFL with either number one ambiguous who's going to be the starter, or the starter is just out there. So, and that could be someone again. You steal a touchdown in week one. You know, goes three for thirty-five and a touchdown. Boom! All of a sudden, you you got a top eight option. And, and and you paced or surpassed some of the teams that had auto starters around your league because it's that much of a topsy-turvy, high-variance position. It, it, it just is. Outside of three, four guys, a lot of it's about who scored the touchdown or who had the uh, Tyler Higby, you know, 10, 12 targets, three, four of them, you know, in, in a mop-up drive or two at the end of the game, uh, dumping it off. It either goes to the running back or the tight end a lot of times. So, um, yeah, Katie, any other big macro thoughts um, as we as we close up talking about the tight end position for this year and Dynasty? I just want to give my final thoughts with a few shout-outs. Um, yes. And speaking of tight ends, in the uh, fantasy cares eliminator john bosch uh sets up and and really helps you know there's so much charity that's going on right now this time of year with the scott fish bowl and all the eliminators and all the satellites and the sales of shirts and the sales of abbeys and things like that it's fantastic and i love seeing the whole community come together and really buzz and start chattering about all of that thing but in the eliminator that tim and i are co 
owners in uh, Kyle took a, uh, this is a shout out to Kyle on the couch, FF. He's a fellow Texan. He lives about an hour from me. We haven't met yet, but he was in our eliminator and he went with the most unique strategy. I watched it unfold. I was paying attention to his roster. I do pay attention as the draft unfolds and he drafted tight end at every single spot. You can start zero at the other positions. You can start up to eight. It is a best ball and it's eliminator format. So whoever has the lowest, it is tight end premium one and a half PPR uh, as far as the scoring is lends towards that but here's my challenge kyle since we're neighbors we're within an hour of each other (laughs) if you outlast tim and i i will either come to your house and buy all the food and cook a a huge meal for you and your family or your family can come to my house and i'll cook you a meal by the way kyle yeah and then that's priceless or if we outlast you then you got to come to my house or i got to come to your house and you're going to buy and cook all the food and that includes my whiskey for the night too oh man that now that is priceless. he's got a family (laughs) but he's got a family so i'd be buying food for the whole family versus he's just got to buy for me so that's why the whiskey gets thrown in there and uh don't worry i i make sure not to scrimp if uh if i am on the losing team it will more so there's my throwdown there's my challenge kyle on twitter sometime in the next 24 hours i need you to say yes i accept your challenge or not. I also Kyle wanted- here Kyle here's the good news. The good news is <laughs> you have a lot more upside with the prize. The bad news is I would put you as the underdog <laughs> for the probabilities. So it may be a And he hasn't even seen Tim either. and I. He hasn't even seen our team or heard who we've got. I don't need to see it. It doesn't Go matter, ahead, right? Okay. Well, what was your other point? So the next uh, so seeing as we were talking about tight ends, I wanted to make sure to highlight that. But I also want to give a shout out to fantasy graphics guy, my boy Evan, who's up in uh, Nebraska. Uh, he made me my official Diva of Devi Avi for Twitter as well as the it's banner. Excellent. Did a beautiful job. Even put a razor back on there. I said, if you can, it's gotta have some crown royal, it's gotta have uh, you know, the diva of Devi. It can't look too girly unless it's Todd Gurley. And if you can somehow fit a Razorback in there, that would be awesome. And he did all that. It's a beautiful Abby. He does great graphics. So if you need anything, uh, he does. uh, I don't know what his prices are, but I believe he's very reasonable. He's excellent. Fantasy graphics guy at Dynasty underscore Evan. And then my last shout out before I give it back to you, Chad, is um, I love the fantasy football community because you make friends with people that you didn't ever know before and that you probably would never run across either they're from a different state or completely different line of work you wouldn't even talk to him necessarily if you met him in a bar but enad uh he's a great friend of mine he's become very a close friend of mine over the last couple of years since I've gotten to know him from the podcast. I just want to give a shout out to him. Just thank you for being there to listen. And uh, I'm always there to bounce things off as well. And the last person is Ron McLeese, who is a good friend of Enad's. I got to meet him this year at the Senior Bowl. Just wanted to give you a shout out to hang in there, man. And uh, hope all is well. Give me a shout when you want to do a, a podcast together. And that's it. Thank you. 
Excellent, Katie. Um, I'll, I'll shout out uh, some of the most recent content. Tim Torch is over there doing great work on the weekly featured show for patreon.com slash UTH. If you want to give back, not hear a bunch of senseless ads on this show, we go straight to the content. Uh, but again, you can support what we do, get additional bonus Dynasty content you can't find anywhere else. We're going to be talking about Katie's specialty. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some bridge players this uh, this week and uh, that feature show. Uh, I've talked about a lot of things like McCole Hardman of late, Jalen Rager. Uh, there's a, a running back one formula and criteria. Uh, that is a recent uh, post over there. So support all those things. I do want to mention uh, Allah and hearkening my inner Katie Flower, who uh, you have a bunch of instructional and tutorial videos over there on YouTube. Uh, and I always forget, how can people best find that uh, before I say my thing? Okay, so either search Katie Flower, F-L-O-W-E-R, or Rewolf 399. And that's just flower backwards. Rewolf 399. And yep. you should be able to find my, my videos on YouTube. Hit subscribe. I haven't done any lately. I've been very busy at work, but but there's some great stuff on Devi, especially and and ins and outs of commissioner kind of tools and skills that are that definitely come in handy. I've I've watched them multiple times. Well, especially if you only do it once a year, it's very helpful to refresh your memory <laughs> you on where do you find oh that stuff, God, so you're no not kidding. scratching your head and taking forever. But when I add new content, if you're already a member, a subscriber, not member, if you're a subscriber, they'll uh, let you know when there's a new one. I'm I'm going to be working on some new stuff soon. I've just been really floored. Yeah, and a couple things I would highlight for UTH content. Again, no better time to, to check it out and uh, and try it out over the, the coming 12 months. Won't be disappointed. I, I, I recorded, a bit, it ended up being about a half hour. I go through the entire exercise screen share style of, of showing how to send out a bunch of offers around your league. So this goes through, you know, people always say, be active, be active. Here's a hands-on approach. Um, I did it last year, but had to scrub it up, uh, do another version this year. Um, and it's a good exercise for me to document talk through that process. So again, you can almost do it hands-on and, and have your screen up. I, I go through a couple of tips that makes it easier and more of a streamlined thing through my fantasy league. Uh, but again, the whole idea of that video is to get you more comfortable with the process of sending more offers and getting in the right mindset when you go there. And being able to do it quickly is another thing. You don't want to have to commit 20, 30 minutes. Like I, I, I go through on the video and you could obviously do it far quicker once you get the process down. And the other thing, um, there was a series a couple weeks back that that I wanted to highlight, which is build your watch list. And I go through some of my favorite players at each of the skill positions and you know why it's so important to, to build that watch list in the early part before the uh, before all the chaos ensues in August and September. You might forget about it. And the last thing you want is going through the waiver wire and a player slips through the cracks that you go back to July and June and May and you actually liked them and they were on your list and you missed out by a week or a bid just because you, they were not on your radar and having them right there on your watch list of all your leagues and my fantasy league does a great job you can actually copy that massive list if you make one massive list you can now copy that across all of your leagues and it shows you right there who's available who's not available but it at least is the 1.0 template starting point um, so as another uh, toolbox item uh, and that whole series is out on uthdynasty.com so for katie flower at ff underscore skyler 399 i am at chad parsons nfl and until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties Fantasy is my thing. No, I'm kind of a wind guy. How dare you? How dare you throw out Matt Jones? <laughs>